0: Welcome to the African History Network show. It is Thursday, February 24th, 2022, and we are live. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. We're also broadcasting on nine ten a.m. Superstation WFDF and our Facebook fan page, The African History Network, The African History Network, and our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P. All right, so uh, I'll be on Roland Martin Filtered again uh, on Friday, I was on on Tuesday, this past Tuesday. Uh, and I'm going to share a segment uh, from Roland Martin, Roland Martin, the Filtered where we uh, dealt with uh, the black farmers, black farmers fear foreclosure as debt relief remains frozen. And we talked to John Boyd, president of the Black Farmers Association. But uh, today in court, the, the former officers, uh, three former officers, Minneapolis police officers who were involved in the killing of George Floyd, they were convicted in federal court today on federal civil rights charges okay and we're going to give you an update on what happened there uh at least one of them seemed um surprised that uh, they were convicted the former officers j alexander Kung, um thomas lane and two Tao were charged with depriving george floyd of his civil rights while acting under government authority okay, depriving George Floyd of his civil rights while acting under government authority. And this, is, uh, this was a federal trial, okay? So they were found guilty. So we're gonna discuss that. We'll also talk about the uh, African-American farmers and uh, black farmers fear of foreclosure as debt relief remains uh, frozen. Okay, the four billion dollars in debt relief that remains frozen because you had white farmers who are jealous, who filed lawsuits to uh, saying that they're being discriminated against because they can't take advantage of the uh, debt forgiveness. They can't take advantage of the uh, four billion dollars in debt forgiveness because it's for uh, it's for historical discrimination against African-American farmers, Latino farmers, Native American farmers, et cetera, all right? Now, white farmers didn't say anything when they got $26 billion in debt relief in 2020 uh, from the uh, Trump administration. They got almost $26 billion and African-American farmers only got $26 million. White farmers got $26 billion in debt forgiveness White farmers got 26 billion in debt forgiveness. African-American farmers only got African-American farmers only got 26 million. OK, but white farmers didn't uh, uh, cry out discrimination or things like this on behalf of uh African-American farmers. All right. So we'll talk about that uh, as well. And then. Uh, we'll give you a brief update on what's going on with uh, Russia invading Ukraine uh, as well. And we see that has escalated also uh, over the past couple of days. So we'll talk about that uh, on today's show. Um, this weekend, I'm teaching my online classes, Ancient Kemet, the Moors and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, where they didn't teach you in school. And from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968, uh, visit our website, africanhistorynetwork.com. You can register for those classes right now. As soon as you register, there's archived content that you can start watching. You can watch the class we just did uh, this past weekend. Next class is Saturday, February 26th. This is a 10-week online class that I teach in Kemet, the Moors, End of My offer. Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, where they didn't teach you in school, deal with thousands of years of history and we do what leads up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place so this class is on sale um, $80, regularly $130 um, we do the sessions live, all the sessions are archived and recorded you can go back and watch at any time and then it, you could use this also with your children, it's very visual, I do a PowerPoint presentation we have book references, articles, video clips uh you can use this with your children. If you've taken any of my classes before, uh email me at a h n Show at African History com a h n Show at African dot com and uh you'll get a 50% discount uh on the classes. Okay. And then on Sundays I teach from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. Both of these classes are 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Okay. So we posted the information here on the thread of our broadcast. You can also visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. All right. Uh, let's jump into this first story because we're coming up on a break. So today we'll look at this piece here from uh, NBC News and also one from the uh, Washington Post. Um, so, three officers found guilty on federal charges in George Floyd's killing. The former officers, J. Alexander Kung, uh, Kung Thomas Lane, and Tu Tao, were charged with depriving George Floyd of his civil rights while acting under uh, government authority. While acting under government authority. Now, uh, three former Minneapolis police officers have been found guilty of violating uh, the civil rights of George Floyd, which are federal charges. Uh, And a a black man whose death at the hands of police in 2020 spurred protests against systemic racism around the world. Now, the former officers uh, all were convicted of depriving George Floyd of his civil rights while acting under government authority when they failed to give him medical aid, when they failed to give him medical aid. Uh, Kung and Tao additionally were convicted of not intervening to stop their fellow officer, Derek Chauvin, from using excessive force, okay? Kung and Tao additionally were convicted of not intervening to stop uh, Derek Chauvin from using excessive force. They had pleaded not guilty. Now, uh, the three officers, Tao, Kung, and Lane, each face up to life in prison, although such a severe punishment is unlikely. Now, they have not been sentenced yet. They were convicted uh, today. They have not been sentenced yet. And there's also another trial coming up in uh June, also. Now, the men are scheduled for a trial in June 2022 on state charges of aiding and abetting uh murder and manslaughter. Now, the um uh, uh Floyd, George Floyd's brother. Said at, the, said at a news conference today, um, he said, this is not accountability. It can never be justice because I can never get George back. And no matter how many times that I pray at night and think about my brother 24-7, it's still going to be hard. Now, the jury began deliberating on Wednesday, uh, July 23rd, after a month-long trial. In closing arguments, prosecutors said the defendants had front row seats uh, to George Floyd's murder and chose to do nothing to help him while Derek Chauvin knelt on George Floyd's neck for nine and a half minutes. We'll continue this on the other side of the break. Listen to the African History Network show on Michael M. Hotep right here on 910 AM Superstation, WFDF. Calling numbers 313 778 7600 is the call-in number. We'll be back in a few minutes.
1: The work that I do is larger than the fashion industry. It's larger than the art world. And I believe that I was born to bring newness into this world. I'm Kaima McIntyre. I'm 24 years old and I'm an artist. I create everything from paintings to jewelry design, metaphysical jewelry to be specific, and fashion design. That's just one person and the list just continues to go on to Janet Jackson, to Tyra Banks. It really hits home. That means that the discussion is happening on the grounds in real time.
0: Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 on the Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael. I'm Hotep. It is Thursday, February 24th, 2022, and we are live. Okay, so right before the break, we were talking about the guilty verdict that took place uh, today in federal court for the uh, three police officers who were involved in the uh, killing of George Floyd, and they were found guilty on uh, federal civil uh, civil rights charges violating George Floyd's uh, civil rights. Okay, so uh, we're going to go to clip one here. Shakita, just a second here. I'm uh, about to send this to you. Okay. Uh, Okay. So, cue up clip one from NBC News. We're going to go to that. All right. I want to go back to um, this article from NBC News. Then we're going to look at uh, one also from the Washington Post. Washington Post had a good article dealing with the uh, guilty verdict today as well. So uh, if we go back over to this just a second, calling number is 313-778-7600 also. 313-778-7600 is the calling number if you have a question or comment. So if we uh, go back over to this one here from NBC News. Okay, so in closing arguments, prosecutors said the defendants had front row seats, had front row seats to George Floyd's murder, and chose to do nothing to help him, while Derek Chauvin knelt on his neck uh, for nine and a half minutes. All right. Now, uh, U.S. Assistant U.S. Attorney uh, Amanda Sertich said Tuesday, said Tuesday they chose not to aid uh, George Floyd. They chose not to aid George Floyd as the window into as the window into which Mr. Floyd's life could have been saved, slammed shut. OK, so uh, if we look at this one here and we're going to clip one in just a minute here. Defense attorneys argue that the men did not receive adequate training. And that they relied on Derek Chauvin, who was the training officer, as the most experienced officer on the uh, on on the scene. These officers tried to devise an an excuse that could let them wash the blood from their hands. But following these verdicts, George's blood will forever stain them, said Benjamin Crump. Attorney Benjamin Crump and other attorneys representing George Floyd's family. They said this in a statement after the verdict was announced. Today's guilty verdicts should serve as the guiding example of why police departments across America should expand and prioritize instruction on an officer's duty. uh, on an officer's duty to intervene and recognize when a fellow officer is using excessive force. Today's guilty verdicts should serve as the guiding example of why police departments across America should expand and prioritize instruction on an officer's duty to intervene and recognize when a fellow officer is using excessive force. All right, now I wanna go to uh, clip one. Uh, This is from uh, NBC News, and this is minutes after the guilty verdict was read. Let's go to clip one, please, Shakita.
2: Minnesota finding three former Minneapolis police officers guilty of violating George Floyd's civil rights. This is a trial we have been watching. Prosecutors have said that Alexander King, Thomas Lane, and Tu Tao, who were all at the scene, when former officer Derek Chauvin pressed his knee and Floyd's neck, killing him, chose to do nothing. The defense had said the officers were not trained properly to intervene, claimed they did try to help. I want to bring it in now, who is live in St. Paul, Shaq Brewster, here for us for NBC News. Shaq, I know this has just all
3: developed. This verdict was just read out. Bring us up to speed.
4: Yeah, Hallie. This jury took about the 13 hours over the course of two days to reach this unanimous verdict. You read it; they are guilty. The three former officers who were at the scene as Derek Chauvin murdered George Floyd. They were found guilty of deprivation of rights under the color of law. These are federal charges, Hallie, and it's that weird term that you hear, deprivation of of, uh, rights under the color of law. What prosecutors are essentially arguing is that for all three of the officers, they deprived George Floyd of his civil rights by not providing medical aid as he was clearly lying on the ground in need of that medical attention. For two of the officers, uh, Tu Tao and Alexander King, they faced that additional charge and have now been convicted of that additional charge of failing to intervene as Derek Chauvin was using that excessive force that just happening in the past couple of minutes. The jury also unanimously saying and uh, saying that the officers' inaction here led to george floyd 's death that becomes important in sentencing now how much time these officers are now facing in prison for this conviction well that's not not specifically clear at this point federal prosecutors say there's a complicated formula that goes into this but they estimate they'll be facing about two to four years in prison for this it's important to note hallie that all three of these former officers also are facing state uh, right. uh, state charges for uh, aiding and embedding the murder of George Floyd. So they're not out of the uh, clear just yet, but the big news right now is that a jury of uh, eight women and four men have now convicted all three Officers who were at the scene as George Floyd right. was murdered have convicted them of depriving George Floyd of his civil rights.
2: I think that second trial set to start in June, Shaq, seems of the case. Big picture here seems to revolve around whether these defendants, now you know convicted, felt they could speak up to authority and essentially pull in, you know, the bad behavior of colleagues.
4: That's exactly right. And if you remember that uh, original video uh, as George Floyd was being murdered, there was Tu Tao, who was the officer who was trying to control the crowd. He testified. All three of these officers testified uh, in their own defense. Two Tao testifying that he was trying to Focused his attention on the crowd and wasn't aware of what was happening behind the car. Wasn't aware of the medical aid that George Floyd needed. There was Alexander King who was standing next or kneeling next to Derek Chauvin. He was arguing that Chauvin was his training officer and he uh, didn't know how or uh, he he didn't uh, he trusted Chauvin and didn't realize. He says that the his duty was to intervene. He says uh, in he testified on the stand that Minneapolis Police Department. Fin- him and didn't tell him exactly how to intervene he was actually at Floyd's legs and then there was Thomas Lane and he was one who if you watch that video or remember the initial trial he suggested to Chauvin should we roll him over and Chauvin said no well he was just facing that one charge of not uh, providing that medical aid he was saying that he didn't realize how bad George Floyd was until uh, they rolled him over clearly the jury did not believe those accounts siding with the prosecutors here who argued that they should have known that the bystanders knew and that they failed, uh, to, um, honor George Floyd's civil rights by not acting, uh, in this situation.
0: Okay. So that that's from, um, NBC news. That's from, uh, that's Brewster who was on the scene there, uh, at the federal court in uh, Minneapolis. Uh, so these three officers found guilty, uh, they haven't been sentenced yet we'll see what happens with sentencing uh and also state charges are coming up uh as well uh read, read the article uh it, it, there's another trial that's coming up in june on uh state charges as i said previously uh Shakira, i just sent you another clip uh we're going to that next on the black news channel uh former read this article here from the uh, washington post former minneapolis Officers found guilty of violating George Floyd's civil rights. Uh, Washington Post has a really good, uh, piece on this. Uh, U.S. District Judge, uh, so in the article here, uh, we should be looking at third paragraph. Um, U.S. District, Ju- I think maybe they've updated this since I printed it. Yeah, they updated it a few minutes after I printed this article. Uh, U.S. District Judge Paul Madnesson, who presided over the case did not order the officers to be taken into custody, citing a separate trial schedule, uh, a separate trial scheduled for June, 2022 on state charges of aiding and abetting, uh, aiding and abetting murder. And mass slaughter and George Floyd's death as well. So they have to, face another trial, a state trial regarding George Floyd's murder as well. Now, uh, U.S. District Judge Paul Magnuson said he would announce sentencing in the civil rights case. This was a federal civil rights case. He would announce sentencing in the civil rights case at a later date. The courtroom was silent as Judge Magnuson read the, the uh, guilty verdicts for each former officer a limited number of friends and family of the former officers had sat in the socially distanced courtroom during the proceedings, but on Wednesday, uh, just one woman sat behind the defense tables. Tal and Kung showed no visible reaction as they were found guilty. Thomas Lane shook his head and appeared to toss something on the table in reaction to the decision, causing a noise that echoed across the courtroom. We're gonna continue this on the other side of the break. And I wanna go briefly too, when we come back, Um yo know, Deet talked about this on the black news channel today, uh, tonight. So I, um, I'm making the case. So I wanna share a segment of that. Then we'll talk about uh, the black farmers. I was on Roland Martin unfiltered on Tuesday. As a panelist, normally I'm on on Friday, so I'll be back on Friday, but I was on Tuesday. We talked to John Boyd about the plight of the black farmers and uh, black farmers fear foreclosure as debt relief remains frozen. Listen to the African History Network show. I'm Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Jeanette Davis is a well-established author with six published books black survival in white America from past history to the next century was published in 1995 and it delves into the history of African Americans before slavery up to contemporary times the great divide between blacks and whites was released in 2008 and her autobiography black just like my mama was published in 2010 soulful journey The Business of Beings was released in December 2021 and her two latest books, Echoes from the Heart, Love Throws Poetry and Master Being Human were both published in January of 2022. Jeanette Davis' writings delve deeply into the psyche of black people from ancient to contemporary times. She cuts no corners and leaves no stones unturned in relating truth, letting the chips fall where they may on both African and European doorsteps. Order Jeanette Davis's books today at Amazon.com. Search for Jeanette Davis and get to know her work today. Welcome back to the After History Network show right here on 910 AM Superstation Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Thursday, February 24th, 2022 and we are live. Okay, so uh, right before the break, we were talking about the um, guilty verdict that took place today um, in federal court. Um. The three officers found guilty on federal charges in George Floyd's, uh, in George Floyd's killing. Okay. They were found guilty on, uh, federal civil rights charges. Uh, the three officers and Kung and, um, uh, Tao were also found guilty on failing to intervene, uh, with Derek Chauvin. Okay. The jury found that the actions of all three men caused George Floyd's death. All right, so I, I want to go to this clip here quickly. Uh, Yodita Walday on um, the Black News Channel talked about this uh, today. Let's go to uh, let's go to this clip, Shakita. Hi,
3: right, we're going to head to Minnesota, where a federal jury has found former Minneapolis police officer to Tao, J. Alexander King, and Thomas Lane guilty of violating George Floyd's civil rights. The three officers were found guilty of depriving Floyd of his civil rights by showing deliberate indifference to his medical needs, as Derek Chauvin knelt on Floyd for more than nine minutes back in May of 2020. Um, The jury also found King and Tao guilty for failing to intervene to stop Chauvin from using excessive force. Tao, Tao, King, and Lane each face up to life in prison. Tonight, I've got my legal experts here to help unpack all of this, former prosecutor Leslie Ricard Chambers and former criminal defense attorney Lauren Trader. Glad to have you both on. Listen, I just want to get reaction from uh, the both of you on this verdict. Is it what you expected, and do you agree with each of the verdicts returned? Leslie, to you first.
2: Of course, I agree with the verdict. I mean, this is a long time coming, and this is exactly what we need to see from the Department of Justice right now in this social justice uh, climate with all of the cases that are going on across the country, including the Ahmaud Arbery case. We need to see a DOJ that is setting the precedent that these types of cases, these types of crimes from uh, folks who are uh, law enforcement officials, folks who want to be law officials at this point. And so it is great to see that this uh, case uh, was tried um, and that all three of these defendants were found guilty of charge. And it's especially acting on the case to know that uh, two of the officers uh, were found guilty of additional charges.
3: Lauren, what about you, your reaction? I mean, these verdicts came in just under two days. Was it long enough for three individuals who had three different roles that they played that day?
6: You know, the length of time isn't really what's getting me It's the ultimate verdict. Today was a wonderful day on this uh, beautiful February of Black History Month. This was something that has been long-awaited. Accountability is something that is extremely necessary in this justice system, and it's something that, you know, we as Black people don't get to see very frequently. So today was certainly a victory. Today was a day that we can celebrate that the justice system works. Um, There is a value to Black lives. You cannot just watch, sit back and watch while someone's treated like an animal. So, you know, ultimately the verdict came in. I'm thrilled with the verdict. I'm not surprised by the verdict. And I'm hoping that this sets the precedent for, you know, juries down the line. Go with what you believe is right. Go with the law and put a value on our, our brothers and sisters' lives.
3: Well, now all three officers, including Derek Chauvin, have been found guilty. Leslie, what does this verdict actually signal to law enforcement in this country?
2: Well, it signals a couple of things. It signals that um, under the color of law that you can't uh, violate someone's rights. And in this particular case, when a person, a citizen, whether they are under suspicion of uh, any crime, uh, when that person tells you that they can't breathe or that something is wrong, that just because they are the subject of a, a criminal investigation doesn't give law enforcement the right to violate their rights to the degree that they completely ignore all of those, uh, medical related signals, right? And, and, and also, uh, this says the president that you shouldn't ignore the concerns of others. If you remember during the stage trial of Derek Chauvin, there was a medic uh an ems person i believe or a fire uh person tra- trained in uh fi- as a firefighter i believe she testified that she uh that she understood that george floyd was in a position where he was his life was in danger and that she could tell that when he said that he could not breathe uh the sound of his voice and just the nature in which uh chauvin was holding him down was definitely indicative that somebody really could not breathe and so with this what uh, this trial says, as it pertains to the, 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 the DOJ, is establishing now is that law enforcement, we are putting you on alert that you are no longer emboldened. You shouldn't feel emboldened any longer to violate someone's rights and to completely ignore all of the signs that these that people who are in these types of positions. And when their lives are in danger, and when they tell you that their lives are in danger, that you need to adhere to it, regardless of whether they are the subject of criminal activity or not.
0: Okay, pause it right there, Shakita. Pause it right there. Okay. All right. So that that was an excerpt from uh, the Black News Channel today. Um, That's your Detour Day. Uh, making the case. She has an excellent show, excellent legal analysis. Uh, So her guests were former prosecutor Leslie Richard Chambers and former criminal defense attorney Lauren Prater. Okay. Uh, So check that out from um, February 24th, 2022, the Black News Channel on YouTube. All right. uh, We're going to switch gears here. I want to go to this next story. We're going to clip two from Rolla Martin Unfiltered, Chiquita. So, I saw this article um, from February twenty first from the uh, New York Times: Black farmers fear foreclosure as debt relief remains frozen. And you know we uh, we've uh, talked about uh, John Boyd, president of the Black Farmers Association, here on the show before. I've talked to him a couple of times when I was on Roland Martin Unfiltered. And he was a guest on uh, he was a guest on Tuesday show to deal with uh, this issue. Let's go to uh clip two, Shakita. Okay. Well, go ahead.
7: Black farmers across the nation face further challenges as some say they are dealing with collection notices instead of the promised debt relief offered by the federal government. In January of 2021, the U.S. Department of Agriculture said there would be a temporary suspension of past due debt collection and foreclosures for distressed direct loan borrowers due to the economic hardship imposed by the pandemic. However, black farmers say they are still receiving notices for foreclosure. Earlier this month, USDA released a two-minute video addressing the notices.
8: And I want to take a little time to talk to you about your direct FSA loans. In the last few weeks, you may have received some fairly ominous-looking notices from us that have created some confusion in light of the fact that we're under a suspension on adverse actions. I want first to stress that there is still a suspension on adverse actions and the FSA doesn't intend to take any action that's indicated in the notices you may have received. And then explain why you're receiving those notices anyway. In the farm financial crisis of the 1980s, the FSA then the Farmers Home Administration fell way short of adequately servicing the loans of our direct loan borrowers. Oftentimes borrowers were foreclosed on without even being made aware of the loan servicing options that were available to them that, frankly, could have kept them on the farm. As a result of this, a network of farm advocates was spawned, and those farm advocates did a great job of raising awareness, so much so that in the Ag Credit Act of 1987, Congress very clearly delineated the processes that we must undertake to notify borrowers of primary loan servicing options. That's why you received those notices today. I want to stress that this is only to make sure that you're aware of your loan servicing options. I further want to stress that you don't need to have missed the payment in order to exercise those primary loan servicing options. I highly encourage you to reach out to your local farm service agency loan staff and explore those options and see what we can do to help you ensure that you've got a bright future in producing the food and fiber that just country
7: The Center for Public Integrity reports in 2021, farmers repaid about 538 thousand dollars to USDA from February to November, despite the suspension. Joining me now is the president of the National Black Farmers Association, John Boyd. Wonderful to see you, Mr. Boyd. Thank you for
0: having
7: me. Now I can only imagine the you know heart drop.
0: Uh, that farmers Alright, we're coming up on the break uh, pause right there uh, just back up about 20 seconds or so uh, you listen to the African History Network show I'm Michael M. Hotel. we'll be back in a few minutes Abundant Capital Group is a real estate investment company with over 20 years of experience in real estate they specialize in two areas of real estate one, they solve real estate problems with creative financing solutions that give the seller the most money for their property and two, they show individuals how to get a higher rate of return on their investment capital with Real Estate Note investing. If you are looking to sell or need to sell your property, here is what they provide. Market Value Offer, even if you have little or no equity, they typically pay all closing costs, which can be thousands of dollars, They close on a date of the seller's choosing and the seller does not have to be out of the house at the time of closing. They take the property in an as-is condition and the seller is not required to make any repairs. Give them a call or email them today for a free consultation and see how they can help you with your real estate needs. Call them at 973-475-8488. That's 973-475-8488. Visit their website, AbundantCapitalGroup.com. That's AbundantCapitalGroup.com. And email them at ACG at AbundantCapitalGroup.com. Follow them on Instagram and Facebook at Abundant Capital Group. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 9 10 a.m. Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. All right, let's go back to this clip here from uh, Roland Martin Unfiltered. Uh, Dr. Avis Jones, the Weaver, was sitting in for Roland on uh, Tuesday, February 22nd. And um, we talked we, we talk to uh, John Boyd of the Black Farmers uh, Association. Let's go back to this clip.
7: are feeling, especially black farmers are feeling, especially given our history of having our lands being snatched out from under us, um, you know, what are you dealing with in terms of being able to get accurate information to the black farmers that your organization organizes?
9: Well, uh, first of all, thank you for having me. And and I can't help but to jump right in on that video. You know, uh, uh, black farmers don't need, uh, you know, new loan servicing or, or call for some sort of new option. You got the best deal we're gonna get, 120% debt relief. And we've been blocked in 12 different lawsuits uh, by white farmers who stopped the uh, $4 billion uh, of our debt relief uh, that I personally myself and others worked on for over three three decades uh, to get debt relief. We didn't get it in uh, both of the settlements, uh, uh, the black farmers settlement, which I worked on for a very, very long time. And then after uh, 2016, it was in the Farm Bill. It was taken out. And then it finally passed last March uh, by the help of uh, Senator Cory Booker and and Senator Ralph Walnut from Georgia. Put down $5 billion for farmers of color. Farmers of color include black farmers, Native American farmers, Hispanic farmers, Asian farmers. We finally got this little bit of justice because of all of the uh, uh, centuries of discrimination and wrongdoing. And then white farmers have the audacity to sue us and call it reverse discrimination. And we were some sort of way harming their, uh, their farming operations by black farmers receiving uh, debt relief. You know, shame on white America, shame on white farmers for not understanding this uh, horrific uh, uh, history and didn't take it into consideration. The whole 30 years I was uh, trying to get debt relief for black farmers, white farmers never called up, never once reached out to me and said, it was problematic or reverse discrimination. It was only problematic when it became reality mm-hmm. and when it was passed and signed into law. Uh, last July, President uh, uh, Biden said he would sit down with me to talk about next steps to come up with some sort of resolve uh, from the administration. It's Black History Month, and I'm here to remind the president uh, that, that that meeting still hasn't uh,
7: happened. Mm. Wow. So if, if you can then explain to us, So it sounds like you're in a little bit of legal limbo, right, that you have this law that is saying that you should have and your farmers and black farmers should have debt relief. Uh, But at the same time, they're getting, um, you you know, not only these collection notices from the Department of Agriculture, you, you also have the president who is saying that he's going to do something about it, but he's yet to have that sit down with you to figure out some way that they can mitigate the damage that the lawsuit is, is putting against you with regards to the white farmers' actions. Does it yeah. feel like you're in a little bit of a sort of conundrum here? I mean, where, well, what are black farmers to do at this point?
9: I think what, what the, the administration came out with is some sort of equity commission uh, that they think is, is going to be helpful. We don't need another commission to talk about these stagnant numbers that I've shared with you and Roland and, and the panel uh, before, we we need action. Yeah. We need relief. We need uh, access to credit. We need loans. And uh, and when that when that gentleman was talking about loan servicing, white farmers was getting debt relief. That's what debt relief is. 1951, SS and SAM. So that's a loan servicing for this country under the United States Department of Agriculture. White farmers were re- receiving debt relief with ease when black was receiving long foreclosure notices in the mail, 30 days to to pay their balance full. So we would never offer the debt relief. White farmers got it and got it with ease. And if it was up to these federal courts, they'd get it twice and, and we still haven't gotten it. And that's what uh, the, the difference here is one specific race, in this case white men, receiving all all of the loans, all of the servicing, all of the subsidies, and then you have uh, black and other uh, farmers of color who who receive peanuts. Right. And now that we have a fixed this, fix this, white farmers want to run to the courts for protection. They chose very conservative. As you're it's, a, it's a very very conservative judges that they chose, right. and very very conservative courts. And uh, they're well-oiled machine. Uh, we need resources to fight this. There's a civil rights uh, gentleman on your panel. He's a firecracker. It sounds like he needs. Take a look at this too, but well, we we have a summary judgment that we're trying to respond to in the coming weeks in uh, the state of Florida. Uh, we filed amicus briefs. Uh, the National Black Farmers Association and the American Farmers, uh, uh, Native American Farmers Association, has filed amicus briefs in all 12 cases. Uh, so we are barely meeting these uh, 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 deadlines, but we need the support of black community. Uh, we need uh, athletes to get involved. These these rappers and entertainers, they have to get involved in the Black Farmers Movement. Uh, the oldest motivation for Black people in this country is, is farming, and, and we're facing extinction. Uh, so we need the involvement, and we need the support, and we need the help.
7: Absolutely. I would love to bring DeMario in to ask a question, if you would like. You know, to me, when I hear what you're saying, and I'm trying to think about the motivation of these white farmers bringing this lawsuit to try to block your debt relief, in my well, mind, I believe, and you can definitely feel free, Mr. Boyd, to answer as well. And then, DeMario, definitely ask your question. But to me, it seems like is an attempt at a land grab. That's ultimately what I believe is going on.
9: When we were losing the land, uh, when we were losing the land through the county committee at USCA, it was white farmers uh, mm-hmm. who dominated these county committees. These three member panels in the country are made up of 99% white men. Mm-hmm. Those farms that were in federal inventory all went to white farmers uh ninety nine percent who served on the county committee mm-hmm. so it was a legalized way by the United States Department of Agriculture to take away land from from black farmers uh after we got the, the land from Civil war that twenty million acres of land to be owned at the turn turn of the century with four and a half million acres. Uh, we represented one million black farm families strong at the turn of the century. All right, pa- pause, right there, to, uh, 50, pause right there. Here, uh, black farmers in this country. We're facing extinction, and
0: the United to... Thank you. All right, those watching on Facebook and YouTube, we're running out of time. We're going to keep going. Those watching on Facebook and YouTube, follow me, uh, the African History Network on Facebook, the African History Network on Facebook, and my YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep, I M H O T E P. We're gonna keep going for a few more minutes and we'll let you hear the rest of that clip. Uh, We're out of time here on 910 AM Superstation WFDF. Be sure to uh, register for the online classes I teach on Saturdays and Sundays. On Saturday, it is uh, from the Civil, uh, Ancient Kemet, the Moors and the Maafa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade where they didn't teach you in school. Uh, That's 2 PM to 4 PM Eastern Standard Time. We just posted the link here and it's also at our website africanhistorynetwork.com you can also email me at ahn show at africanhistorynetwork.com ahn show at com. all right right now it's correct wrong behavior it's not over till we win wakanda we'll forever we'll talk to you tomorrow peace all right stand by let me uh cue this clip up here i'm having some technical difficulties. Stand by. let me uh cue this clip up we're going to continue OK, just one second here.
9: Uh, so we need the involvement and we need the support and we need
7: the help. Absolutely. I would love to bring DeMario in to ask a question if you would like. You know, to me, when I hear what you're saying and I'm trying to think about the motivation of these white farmers bring this lawsuit to try to block your debt relief. In my well, mind, I believe, and you can definitely feel free, Mr. Boyd, to answer as well. And then Demario, definitely ask your question. But to me, it seems like they're trying, this is, this is an attempt at a land grab. That's ultimately what I believe well, is going on.
9: When we were losing the land, uh, when we were losing the land through the county committee at USDA, it was white farmers uh, mm-hmm. who's dominated these county committees these three member panels in the country are made up of 99% white men. Mm-hmm. Those farms that were in, in federal inventory all went to white farmers, uh, 99% who served on the county committee. Mm-hmm. So it was a legalized way by the United States Department of Agriculture to take away land from, from black farmers. Uh, after we got the, the land from Civil War, that 20 million acres of land we owned at the turn, turn of the century. Mm-hmm. We're down four and a half million acres. Uh, we represented one million black farm families strong at the turn of the century. We're down to uh, 50,000 uh, black farmers in this country. We're facing extinction and partly due to the United States Department of uh, of Agriculture. So they're going to have to help us fix this. And I believe that Secretary Vilsack was the wrong person to send back mm-hmm. to U.N.A. when he's had two terms to fix it. Uh, he's back there again. He knows the problem. And we don't need a new equity commission. We need some new equity results. <laughs> yes.
7: yes, absolutely. We need Absolutely. Demario, I would love to bring you in here. You know, what are your thoughts about what black farmers can do right now? It's interesting that these white farmers are coming in. And, and, I, and I completely agree. It's, it's, it seems like a delay tactic to say, oh, let's form a commission. No, let's act.
10: Panel studies—that's all just delay tactics and ways to keep us from getting the justice that we deserve. As Brother Boyd stated, we don't need commissions, equity commissions. We need equity. We need equity results. And I really appreciate him saying that. You know, this really speaks to me because, as old farm, old country kid from Oklahoma, whose family would own ranches back in the eighteen twenties uh, and thirties that we can uh, trace back to, it really resonates to me to hear how our farmland and our land has been struck and stolen away from us. When you talk about those numbers going from 1 million farm families to down to 50,000, going from 20 million acres of land down to four or 5 million acres of land, it is disheartening. It is something that we definitely want to rally around you, Brother Boyd. I certainly want to connect with you and your organization, talk about the ways that maybe my organization, Justice for Greenwood, and some of the resources that I can bring with other firms other firms to do pro bono work. We cannot allow this to continue to happen without a fight. We understand what we're up against. We understand that we have a tall hill to climb, but we must fight for our rights and our dignity at all times. And I will fight with you, brother. I will stand next to you. I will speak for you. I will fight and no surrender, no retreat. Give me a call, we'll get together and we'll try to fight this the best we can for those 50,000 farmers, black farmers who need relief.
7: Absolutely. Uh, Michael, um, do
0: you have any questions for Mr. Boyd? Hey, brother Boyd, thanks for coming back. Last time you were on, you were talking about Pepsi, and uh, and, and and how Pepsi was uh, going back on their verbal agreement to provide yes. contracts to grow potatoes and things like that. So, um, I, you know, I've been talking about uh, this and the plight of black farmers, even going back to the Stein Seed Company and the lawsuit that black farmers had against the Stein Seed Company over soybeans. So, how does how do you all proceed with fighting this? We know white farmers have sued. We know this is part of the American Rescue Plan. We know uh, no Republicans voted for the American Rescue Plan. We know Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina uh, went on Face the Nation attacking this debt relief, okay, and uh, 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 as well as Nancy Graham. So how do you fight this, and how can we help? What role can uh, African Americans play, as, and also the Congressional Black Caucus also? Well, we have
9: to we have to fight it one in courts uh, like we're we're doing now. So we filed the the amicus briefs on every one of the courts, and we're looking at uh, different ways that, that we could maybe uh, win. You know, I'm a I wanna win, I want to win. You know, I want to win. And uh, we have so many challenges, uh, like you spoke about the uh, the issue with Pepsi, uh, mm-hmm. where they reneged on the potato contract. Uh, that's something that uh, we need the support of. The, of the general public and uh i spoke uh, i touched on it earlier we we have many successful blacks uh in this country athletes and entertainers you know we we saw them at the pepsico halftime show those those <laughs> three that are dancing for Pepsi, they need to be dancing for black farmers and, and rapping for black farmers They have to have songs about the land and buying land people we got to buy some land if you want to fix this Buy some land, buy a building if you're in business. Uh, buy, buy a lot in a subdivision, but you have to buy some land. We have a song out that I would like everybody on this panel to look and circulate. Uh, I did it with uh, K.J. Marley, Marley's uh, grandson, about the land. Uh, people, this is about the land. So it's about, of course, it's about access to credit to uh, USDA, uh, the banks, the top 10 banks. I didn't talk about them. They wrote uh, to the president and Congress that uh, us receiving the $5 billion would be harmful to them too. So we need to hold the back. The agriculture companies, uh, PepsiCo, John Deere, who uh, won't service blacks, uh, uh, service us last after these tractors cut off and we can't start them back up until a technician comes out. Uh, There's a laundry list of uh, companies that are dumping on black farmers. Uh, the government dumped on black farmers, white farmers dumped on black farmers, made a share crop. It? They stole all the land from the Indians and they want to steal it all from the blacks. This is about land and uh, everybody on this panel, every step you take, every step you make requires land. You can either trespass on somebody else's or take a step on your own. Uh, don't buy those new Cadillacs and Mercedes Benz buy some land, land is where it's at. Land is gonna be the way that we're going to change this for the young people that are looking at this, start investing in land ownership. If you're going to do buying houses, buy some land.
7: Mm-hmm. I hear you. Mustafa, do you have any questions?
10: Brother Boyd, it's good to see, it's good to see you. Again. My grandfather was a small farmer. We still have that land that he purchased over a hundred years ago now. I'm curious. Um, have you utilized Title VI of the Civil Rights Act yet, which says that folks can't uh, utilize federal funds to discriminate against folks of color you know, or, or based on national origin? So I'm, I'm curious if that's been a part uh, of the work that's been going on so far.
9: Absolutely. Yes, it is. And uh, we've looked at uh, all of the numbers, all of the statistics, uh, many of the information that I just spoke to you about. It's all spelled out in our amethyst briefs that that are filed in these 12 courts. Uh, One thing I didn't say is that uh, these 12 complaints uh, that were filed by white farmers were filed in conservative courts, conservative uh, judgeships. Uh, They're well-funded. This Sid Sid Miller from from, uh, Texas, Mm -hmm. uh, the former agriculture uh, secretary there, uh, is leading the campaign, raising money. And uh, uh, filing uh, uh, these lawsuits around the country, we got to start doing the same thing. we, we got to become well-organized. we got to become well-funded so we can defend ourselves. And uh, like I spoke about earlier, uh, uh, 39 years, I never, I never sued a white farmer saying that they shouldn't get something. I filed those complaints in federal court so we can get two words, same as, period. Mm-hmm. Same as. We want the same servicing. We want the same contracts, not a word different than white farmers are getting. We want the same loan amounts if we would qualify. We want the same amount of subsidies. People, same as, uh, don't look at me because I'm six foot tall and 240 pounds and darker skin and, and, and deep baritone voice. Judge me on my 39 years as a farmer, a skilled farmer, that I learned from my grandfather who slept with his deed underneath his mattress. And my daddy who taught me how to plow a mule and work all day and tie winds Windsor knot in, in, in my shirt. These are things that uh, we uh, are teaching ourselves uh, as black farmers. Go back and reinvent the land and get reconnected with land ownership in this country. That's how we're going to become and beat a whole lot of the barriers that, that affect us right now by buying land.
7: Well, that is a powerful charge for us all. Buy land. Uh, thank you so much for joining us tonight, Mr. Boyd.
0: All right. So that was from uh, Tuesday, February 22nd, 2022. Um, Roland Martin, in the filter, John Boyd was giving us an update on what's going on. And he said, buy some land. Absolutely. And he said the 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 entertainers, the artists that were performing at the Super Bowl, they need to uh, they need to uh, rap about the, the black farmers and make songs about the black farmers to support the black farmers. Also, I totally agree with that. Uh, Dr. Dre paid seven million dollars to uh, be able to put on that Super Bowl show. OK, that lasted 13 minutes. Okay, so you you figure out the math on that, how much it costs per minute. He paid $7 million to be able to do that. Uh, One of the articles I was uh, showing on the screen here uh, while I played that segment, we talked about this story back when it uh, came out in May of 2021. This This is one of the things that John Boyd was talking about. Banks fight $4 billion debt relief plan for black farmers. Banks fight $4 billion debt relief uh, plan for black farmers. Lenders are pressuring pressuring the agriculture department to give them more money saying quick repayments will cut into profits. Okay, so you had 10 banks. I think it was, I think it was 10. I I think the number was 10. Who are putting pressure on the agriculture department saying, wait a second, if you give these black farmers this debt relief, they're going to pay off their loans sooner and we're going to make less interest on the loans. And that's going to, our shareholders are not going to be happy. This is what John Boyd was just talking about. The Biden administration's efforts to provide $4 billion in debt relief to minority farmers is encountering stiff resistance from banks encountering stiff resistance from banks which are complaining that the government initiative to pay off the loans of borrowers who have faced decades of financial discrimination will cut into their profits and hurt investors will cut into their profits and hurt investors the debt relief was approved as part of the $1.9 trillion uh stimulus package that Congress passed in March of 2021, the American Rescue Plan, that no Republicans in the House or the Senate voted for, even though you have some Republicans in the House trying to take credit for the good things that the American Rescue Plan did. No Republicans in the House or the Senate voted for the bill. Zero. And the uh The debt relief was intended to make amends for the discrimination that black and other non-white farmers have faced from lenders and the United States Department of Agriculture over the years. But no money uh, has yet gone out the door because lawsuits were filed by white farmers saying that they were being discriminated against and and their constitutional rights are being violated because they can't take advantage of the debt relief. But white farmers have already had debt relief. There've already been debt relief programs for white farmers that African American farmers were excluded from. Instead, the program has become mired in controversy and lawsuits. In April, white farmers who claim that they are victims of reverse discrimination sued the U.S. Department of Agriculture over the initiative. Now, three of the biggest banking groups, uh the bankers the, the American Bankers Association the Independent Community Bankers of America and National Rural Lenders Association are waging their own fight and complaining about the cost of being repaid early. They're saying, wait a second, if you you give them this debt relief, they're going to pay the loans off early. We're not going to make as much money off of them. So we can't have that. Their argument stems from the way banks make money from loans and how they decide where to extend credit when a bank lends money to a borrower like a farmer it considers several factors including how much interest it will earn over the lifetime of the loan and whether the bank can sell the loan to other investors by, by allowing borrowers to repay their debts early the lenders are being denied income they have long expected they argue the banks want the federal government to pay money beyond the outstanding loan amount so that banks and investors will not miss out on interest income that they were expecting or money that they would have made reselling the loans to other investors Read the rest of this article here. We talked about this back in May 2021 when the story broke. Banks fight $4 billion debt relief plan for black farmers. Let's check that out for the New York Times, okay? All right, and then this other uh, article here, this is from truthout.org, truthout.org, promised debt relief some black farmers instead get collection notices, promised debt relief, some black farmers instead get collection notices. And then also this one here from the New York Times, black farmers fear foreclosure as debt relief remains frozen. Now, as the representative from the Department of Agriculture said, they're not gonna foreclose on any loans. The notice that was sent out was just a formality. Okay, um, but this goes goes in and talks, so this is from February 21st, 2022. And this talks uh, some more about the American Rescue Plan and uh, the lawsuit, but it talks about the notices that they've uh, been getting uh, also and how the farmers are falling further behind in debt. Um, where is this here? Let's go here. Instead, Mr. Smith, they talk about Brandon Smith, who's a farmer, a fourth generation cattle rancher from Texas, Brandon Smith. Instead, Brandon Smith has fallen deeper into debt. Months after signing the paperwork, he received a notice informing him that the federal government intended to accelerate foreclosure on his 46 acre property and cattle. If he did not start making payments on the loans, he believed had been forgiven. Okay. now. It talks about um, the courts in Wisconsin. The legal limbo has created. Okay, but they're not foreclosing on loans now. That's what the. That's why they put out the video. The Department of Agriculture. In this article, they also uh, talk about page two. Okay, the law was intended to, the American Rescue Plan, the debt forgiveness in in the American Rescue Plan was intended to help remedy years of discrimination that non-white farmers have endured, including land theft and the rejection of loan applications by banks and the federal government. The program designated aid to about 15,000 borrowers who receive loans directly from the federal government or have their bank loans guaranteed by the USDA. Those eligible uh, include th- those eligible included farmers and ranchers who have been subject to racial or ethnic prejudice, including those who are black or African American, Native American, Alaskan native, Asian American, Pacific Islander, or Hispanic. White farmers were suing saying that, that they're being discriminated against and take, can't take advantage of this, but they don't wanna deal with the history of decades of discrimination that non-whites have suffered from the federal government. They don't want to talk about that at all. Then it goes on to say banks were unhappy that the loans would be repaid early. Banks were unhappy that the loans would be repaid early, depriving them of interest payments. Groups of white farmers in Wisconsin, North Dakota, Oregon, and Illinois sued the U.S. Department of Agriculture arguing that offering debt relief on the basis of skin color is discriminatory, suggesting uh, that a successful black farmer could have his debts cleared while a struggling white farmer could go out of business. Now, America First Legal, a group led by the former Trump administration official, Stephen Miller, that white supremacist, Stephen Miller, re- researched that white supremacist, Stephen Miller. That was an advisor to Donald Trump. Stephen Miller's America First Legal Group filed a lawsuit making a similar argument in U.S. District Court for the Northern District of Texas to block the the block the debt relief for for uh, black farmers and, and non white farmers. Last June, before the money started flowing, a federal judge in Florida blocked the program on the basis that it applied strictly on racial grounds, end quote, irrespective of or regardless of any other factor, okay? So read the rest of this uh, article here. This is from February 21st, 2022. Black farmers fear foreclosure as debt relief remains frozen. This is from uh, the New York Times. Okay, how's everybody doing here? We'll post a link here to this article. You can read that. All right. Uh, we're going to do a very, very quick update on Ukraine. We'll talk about this some more tomorrow. I'm working on a presentation that well, I have to do Roland Martin and the filtered on Friday for two hours. And that means I got to read about, do about three hours worth of reading of articles to prepare for the show, and then I'm also working on a presentation, a Black History Month presentation I have to do for a church Saturday morning, about 10 a.m., and then two o'clock on Saturday, I have to teach my online class, um, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, where they didn't teach in school. So it's a busy, uh, it's a busy time right now. Uh, I want to go to, Let's see, let's go to this here from, uh, we have updates from uh, New York Times on, let's look at the updates, because I have Washington Post, New York Times, and NBC News up dealing with uh, Ukraine. Let's look at the updates here from um, the New York Times, the live update from the New York Times. And we're going to go to this clip here from NBC Nightly News here in just a minute. all right who um who still needs to register for uh the ten week online courses that I teach on the weekends? Our next class is uh this Saturday and Sunday so if we look here for a quick update and I'm gonna cue this up here also. Okay, Russia launches full-scale invasion of Ukraine. Okay, just a second. All right, here we go. Um, And can we get this queued up? Uh, just a second here. Okay, let's try to get that queued up also here. All right, but anyway. Um. So very quickly here, um, an explosion is reported. An explosion is reported over Kyiv. Ukraine's president says he's target number one. Uh, Putin chose this war, and now he and his country will bear the consequences, President Joe Biden said, in announcing new sanctions on Russia, uh, new sanctions and Russia advances uh, on Kyiv. Let's see here. Okay, let's cue that up. Hold on. Just, just a second here because I'm having technical difficulties in my wireless mouse is acting up on me, so I have to. Use the uh, keyboard on the laptop.
8: Uh
9: okay, hold on.
0: Okay, this is the clip I need here. All right, let's cue that up. Okay, so we look quickly here at this. um, Let's see, video show a large explosion in the sky over Southern Kyiv. Uh, Videos verified by the New York Times showed a large explosion in the sky over the outskirts of Southern Kyiv early Friday morning. Witnesses filmed fiery debris falling over parts of the city. The videos appeared to show at least two surface-to-air missiles fired near Kyiv before the explosion. Okay, so they have a map here uh, showing reported ground fighting. Uh, there was a, a better condensed uh, update I want to go to from uh, NBC News here in just a second. Let's, let's, let's go to this clip here. This is from NBC Nightly News.
11: Buddied staggering out of their homes. And this is what remains of another. It was unprovoked, but this is what Russian President Vladimir Putin unleashed on Ukraine. As the sun came up this morning, a missile striking an industrial park in western Ukraine. A helicopter assault on an airport outside of Kiev. Close, intense fighting. And there are civilian casualties. Local officials say this apartment building was struck in eastern Ukraine. Heartbreaking images of people bloodied, staggering out of their homes. And this is what remains of another family's apartment. A baby stroller among the debris. We travel to this Ukrainian military installation near the eastern port city of Mariupol. This radar station took a direct hit. Russia is picking off Ukraine's military facilities one after another. But Ukrainian troops are fighting back. And Russia is also suffering losses here. Ukraine says it's destroyed some Russian tanks using American-supplied missiles. That this is a damaged Russian helicopter. And that it has captured some Russian soldiers. On day one... The army has been holding strong, but they're being pushed to the limit by Russia's full scale invasion with attacks across Ukraine, which is the size of Texas, from areas near those pro-Russian enclaves in the east to the capital Kiev in the west, even capturing the still radioactive Chernobyl nuclear reactor. It all began from a desk before dawn when Russian President Vladimir Putin declared a special military operation on Russian television. Russia cannot feel safe, develop, and exist with a constant threat emanating from the territory of modern Ukraine, he said, describing the government in Kiev as a junta of neo-Nazis determined to build nuclear weapons. It was a split-screen moment, Putin announcing his assault as his actions were slammed at the UN Security Council, Ukraine's ambassador blasting Russia's representative. The Russian president declared the war on the record. Should I play the video? of your president. There is no purgatory for war criminals. They go straight to hell. Later, after Putin stopped speaking on cue, the missiles and airstrikes began. Russian tanks rolling across the border from Belarus in the north and Crimea in the south. For Ukrainians, the choice was to hide in deep Soviet-era subways built long ago to shelter Ukrainians from an American attack or to run If they could get through the traffic heading out of Kiev or to ride it out, stocking up on food and cash. How are you feeling? This is your mother. Uh, I'm trying to keep my children calm. Putin is not helping. We are Ukraine, she says. Putin says he's doing Ukrainians a favor by trying to get rid of their Nazi fascist government. What do you what
3: do you think about that?
11: He isn't protecting us," she says. "It would be better if he sat there in Russia and did not touch anyone or anything here. Ukraine is fighting for its right to exist as a sovereign country, and against a man who says Ukraine belongs to him."
0: Okay, so that was uh, from uh, NBC Nightly News from uh, February twenty fourth, twenty twenty two. Just a second here. Let me close this out. Okay. Um, If we look here quickly at this article from the Washington Post, because uh, Putin is using this lie that he's trying to denazify Ukraine. That's why he's invading and has like 200,000 troops to invade. Okay, how many how many Nazis are you how many neo Nazis are you saying that are there? Putin says he will denazify Ukraine. Here's the history behind that claim. This is from the Washington Post um from twenty yeah, February is from um February twenty fourth, twenty twenty two. Okay, Russian President Vladimir Putin invoked the Nazis on Thursday, February 24th, when he announced his decision to launch a large-scale military operation in Ukraine. The Russian leader said that one of the goals of the offensive was to denazify, to denazify the country part of a long running effort to put, put uh, by Putin to delegitimatize delegitimatize Ukrainian nationalism and sell the incursion to his constituency at home now you have some dumbass black people on social media circulating this nonsense and saying oh Putin wants to denazify Ukraine that's a false flag you need to do more research The rhetoric around fighting fascism resonates deeply in Russia, which made tremendous sacrifices battling Nazi Germany in World War II. And when you look at um, the International Day of Remembrance of the Holocaust, January 27th, uh, January 27th, it commemorates January 27th, 1945, when the Soviet troops liberate the prisoners in Auschwitz, Poland of the Auschwitz uh, death camps, the concentration camps in Auschwitz, Poland. That was January 27th, 1945. Now critics say that Putin is exploiting the trauma of the war and twisting the history for his own interests. But when you have people that don't know history, they don't know when they're being lied to about history. In his narrative, the west overlooked the role the soviet union russia's predecessor predecessor state the soviet union the predecessor to russia in his in putin's narrative the west overlooked the role the soviet union played in the fight in the war's aftermath the united states and other western nations formed the nato military alliance as a bulwark against the Soviet Union. Now Putin sees NATO as an existential threat and Ukraine's bid for membership as a red line for Russia's security. Oh, when Putin was growing up, the Second World War was at the center of Soviet identity and the enemies were the fascists said timothy snyder a professor of history at yale university yale uh yale university the irony now professor snyder said is that putin appears to be fighting a war the way that actual nazis did he appears to be fighting a war the way actual nazis did invading neighbors on the pretext that their borders are irrelevant Putin's attempt to recast Ukraine's government as fascists drew widespread condemnation on Thursday, February 24th, including from Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky, who was both Jewish and had family members die in the Holocaust. So Putin's lie is being exposed. Three of President Vladimir Zelensky's great uncles were executed. As part of the German led genocide of European Jews during World War II, the president said on a trip to Jerusalem in 2020, Vladimir Vladimir Zelensky said this on a trip to Jerusalem in 2020, his grandfather, who was the brother, uh, his grandfather, who was the brother of those killed, survived. 40 years later, his grandson became president, uh, Vladimir Zelensky said in an an address. Now, the Ukrainian leader also fired back at uh, Putin's Nazi claim Thursday, saying on Twitter that Russia had attacked Ukraine just as Nazi Germany did. Russia attacked Ukraine just as Nazi Germany did. One of World War II's worst massacres. Took place near the Ukrainian capital in 1941, when German-led forces killed tens of thousands of Jews in the ravine of Bob, uh, Bobby uh, Yar. Y a r. Zelensky said on Twitter, addressing Putin, "Quote: As of today, our countries are on different sides of world history. As of today, our countries." are on different sides of world history. Russia has embarked on a path of evil. Now, according to Michael McFaul, who was on, who's been on MSNBC uh, all day long, the past uh, couple of days or so, according to Michael McFaul, the former US ambassador to Russia, he said, quote, there is a history of some Ukrainians fighting on the Nazi side, but a very small group because all, all people have had traitors. Jews had collaborators and traitors. You know, all people have had traitors. But you, you don't have 200,000 Soviet troops, uh, 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 Russian troops going to Ukraine for a handful of Nazis or neo-Nazis. Michael McFaul made these remarks in an appearance on MSNBC on Thursday. Putin, he said, quote, is pulling out that thread from history to say that What you had was a neo-Nazi usurpation of power in Ukraine in 2014 when Ukrainian protesters ousted the Russian-backed leader and the new government pushed to join NATO. In response to those protests, Russia invaded and annexed Crimea, uh, the Crimean Peninsula from Ukraine in 2014 and began backing a separatist insurgency in the country's east. The conflict there has simmered for years. All right. So uh, now Putin is trying to paint Vladimir Zelensky's government as Nazis supported by NATO, Michael McFaul said. According to Putin, he must fight to save the Russian speaking community in eastern Ukraine. Okay, read the rest of this article here. Uh, this is from the Washington Post that debunks this nonsense. Uh, about denazifying Ukraine. Putin says he would denazify Ukraine. Here's the history behind that, okay? All right. Okay. um, Be sure to register for the online class I teach on uh, on the weekend. On Saturdays, it is Ancient Kemet, the Moors and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Um, I do a PowerPoint presentation. We have book references, articles, video clips. And we deal with thousands of years of history and what leads up to the Transatlantic Slave Trade taking place. So... You can use this information with your children also. I would say the content is uh, PG 13. And uh, it's very interactive. You know, we have a ton of information in it, it's very visual. Uh, We deal with ancient Africa, we deal with the Nile Valley region of Africa, ancient civilizations, and we go through our history and deal with. you know what leads up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. Okay, let me flip over this here. So uh, I'll post the link again. You can register for the class. Then also, it's at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Um, problem here. Okay, so uh, some of the things we deal with in the online course we deal with um, the 800 year occupation of Europe by the Africans, known as the Moors. Uh, we deal with uh, some of the origins of Freemasonry, and we deal with uh, similarities between the layout of Washington, D.C. and uh, ancient Kemet, also. Uh, Tony Browder deals with this uh, a lot in Egypt on the Potomac. Um, Browder deals with this a lot in Egypt on the Potomac also, and that's one of the books we use in the class. So we deal with... uh, the first Holy Trinity of Asar, set and Heru, who the Greeks called Isis, Osiris, and Horus. And we, we, we deal with a timeline of history as well. Thousands of years that lead up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place, okay? Um, and when we look at the Tekken that comes out of the mythology of Asar, set and Heru, the Greeks called it an obelisk. There were approximately 1,200 Tekkenu built in ancient Kemet, um, but only about a dozen are found today in Egypt. Uh, many of the new removed from Egypt are now in Istanbul, Turkey, uh, London, England, Paris, France, Berlin, Germany, New York, New York, Rome, Italy, Vatican city, and elsewhere throughout the world. The Tekkenu are now called obelisks by their new owners and few know their origin or that they symbolize the resurrection of the african king Asar. uh if you read uh egypt on the potomac uh page 17 brother breaks this down there now i'm gonna just deal with a couple of quick things here because I'm having some technical difficulties here so The word mason is derived from the Latin words mass and sun. Uh, Mason means child of light and expresses the desire to pursue light, which is a metaphor for the sun, which symbolizes knowledge. The term child of light or sons and daughters of light was first used to identify students who had completed 42 years of study in the temples of ancient Kemet. Many Masonic temples were modeled after the temples of ancient Kemet, places where light or knowledge was imparted in a series of steps or degrees. OK? Now, if we look at uh, so there's over 200 slides in, in the class, and we, you know we do a PowerPoint presentation. I have over 50 articles that we reference uh, various books. You don't have to buy any of the books to be able to follow along in class but we go through and um look at his we go through and look at history everything from the judgment scene to um and then if we go through let's see here we look at some of the origins of christmas as well and why christmas is celebrated on december 25th one thing that's important to understand uh is the patron saints we look at um, center class and Saint Nicholas because Saint Nick, Saint Nicholas was a real saint. He was uh, an African man, fourth century uh, Myra in was present day Turkey, Greek Orthodox bishop born in two eighty A.D. Common Era, born to uh, wealthy parents and gave away his inheritance to the poor. And one of the things we talk about is um center class, who is the religious uh is a religious character that we see in Holland and the Netherlands, things like this. Center class in Dutch means Saint Nicholas, okay? Center class in uh the Dutch language means Saint Nicholas. And we we're going to see um that is going to be this religious figure of center class that wears wears a uh, red and white we're going to see that is uh, this religious figure that then um... gets transformed into santa claus okay it's this religious figure of center class that gets transformed into santa claus and santa claus wears red and white also we're going to see that um... Center class gets introduced by the Dutch to the U.S. to the colonies in the early 1700s, even before the American Revolutionary War. You have an influx of Dutch coming in, and they bring uh, center class with them. Okay, and center class has a um, a sidekick who's a Moor named Joaquin Piet, Black Pete. So we get into this mythology uh, in in the class and this deals with the the, 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 uh, dehumanization of the Moors also. Okay, Joie de Piet means Black Pete. And and one of the versions of the story, Black Pete is a a Moor who is uh, really a, a slave to center class. Some say a servant, some say a slave to center class. But Black Pete was introduced um in a children's book in eighteen right about eighteen fifty and and you have uh this um parade of people dressing up as black pete in uh the Netherlands around december fifth uh, and they're wearing uh they put they put on uh uh black face makeup afro wigs red lipstick on their lips, things like this to imitate Black Pete. Usually gold hoop earrings as well to imitate Black Pete. But this is very dehumanizing. And there's been each year, there's more and more backlash against this uh, celebration that takes place. All right. Dominique said, thanks for being consistent. This ain't easy, trust me um so we deal with the origins of the you know immaculate conception story and the virgin birth and the adoration uh things like this these are very ancient stories that date back to at least uh 3300 bc in ancient nubia Tanahesi. these are stories retold over and over again adapted to various people's cultures uh, we do a why Christmas is celebrated on December 25th as well. So we go through our history to understand what happened to us. We look at the, uh, you know, even before slavery existed, we do with the African presence in the Americas and in South America, going back at least 56,000 years ago. We look at some work from Dr. David M. Hotep who wrote the book, The First Americans Were Africans Documented Evidence. Some of you all have seen the interviews I've done with him. It's a friend of mine. I've interviewed him a number of times. Some of you have heard the, um, seen some of the interviews. Some of you have read, have read his book. His new book is out. His second one, the first Americans were Africans, uh, revised and expanded. Uh, we do with some. We look at some of the pre-Christian origins of Christmas as well, the uh, festival of Yule. Uh, Saturnalia, the Roman festival of Saturnalia, the Persian festival of Mithra; these are these are precursors to the Christian celebration of Christmas. Okay, so you you, you know historical events don't happen in a vacuum; they are the culmination of a sequence of historical events that uh, take place, and we have to have we have to understand how all this is connected. All right, we look at the um, film Black Panther and the african influence in the film black panther there were 11 different african cultures that we see represented in the film black panther um and when we look at when you see the panther deity of 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 uh, of bast the 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 black panther the, the the black actual panther deity that they say watches over the people of wakanda uh, well bast or bastet in ancient Kemet was an ancient Egyptian goddess or ancient Kemetic goddess or Neter worshipped in the form of a lioness and later a cat. Uh, she was a, a Neter of warfare in Lower Kemet and worshipped as early as the Second Dynasty or around 2890 BCE before the Common Era. When we look at the um, when we look at Wakanda in the comic books and Wakandan, Wakandan religion and its tribes, the religion of the Wakandan people, and Wakanda is made up of 18 different um, clans of people, 18 different uh, cultures, okay? Um, you have the uh, Jabari tribe, you have the crocodile uh, tribe, things like that. Uh, Wakanda, even though it's one nation, the different ethnic groups in Wakanda, is 18 different, tribes that make up the people of Wakanda so the religion of the Wakandan people first developed through the pilgrimage to the land in their conflict with the originators the gods of Wakanda formed uh, from the heroes of humans within the tribe ascending to the status of a god these heroes became known as the Orisha now the Orisha are the name that's that, that's what the deities in the uh uh spiritual system of Ifa practice amongst the Yoruba in Nigeria is called the Orisha. The the the, the deities, the forces of nature, just like the netaru, they're called the Orisha. Taking the names Koku, Thoth, now Thoth is what the Greeks called dahuti okay? Dehuti is the one that delivers the annunciation to the Virgin set that she's going to give birth to, by uh, give birth to uh, uh, Heru, who the Greeks called Horus, what you call an Immaculate Conception. That's the Houthi, who is the netter of divine articulation of speech and science and mathematics, things like this. That's the huti that has the, the, the Ibis, the deity with the Ibis head. That's the Huti that delivers the Immaculate Conception. Okay, well, the Greeks called the Huti Thoth. So you have the names Koku, Thoth, Bast, coming from Bastet from ancient Kemet, Mujaji, and Pata, which is one of the original Netar, Patah coming from ancient Kemet, and Niami. The Orishas' origin, origins date back to the ancient Egyptian beings. Known as the Ineot. Now this is straight from the Black Panther comic book. This is straight from the, the, the world of Wakanda. The Ineot is Greek, which means nine. It refers to the original nine, Neturu, the Ennead. So when you get into, um, so this is just a few other things that we deal with in the <laughs> The class We deep, that's why it's 10 weeks, right? What are the Ineot? it means group of nine in Greek. In Kemet they were called pes, uh, uh, Pesjet. The nine that to rule were Atom, the sun, Shu, Air, Tefnut, Moisture, Geb, Earth, and Nut, Sky, Asar, and Oset, Seth, and Nephetus. Okay? If you read pages uh two hundred seventy four to two seventy seven of ancient Egypt by Lorna Oaks and uh Lucia Galen. And also Nile Valley contributions to civilization. It breaks this down, dealing with the idiot. Well, that's all in the Black Panther comic book. So when we deal with Black Panther and especially the movie Black Panther, uh, I've done lectures on this. I mean, the, the, the uh, Black Panther, man, reconnects us to African history and culture. It's a deep movie. I had to do a lot of research to really be able to do my lectures dealing with the film Black Panther. Okay, so, um, and then the, mo- the language spoken in the film Black Panther is Isikosa. Isikosa is a Bantu language, all right? Just like Kiswahili is a Bantu language as well. The language spoken in the film Black Panther is a real language, is Isikosa. And it's spoken in Southern Africa. Okay, so we deal with different um, African uh, uh, nations and civilizations like Carthage, okay? and we deal with Hannibal Barker. Okay, Hannibal in the Battle of Cana, 216 B.C. And what happened to Carthage? Carthage destroyed by Rome uh, 146 B.C.E. Before the Common Era. Uh, we deal with um, Hesse. Uh, we deal with uh, uh, Great Zimbabwe. Uh, it's, a, it's a ton of information that we deal with in the class. Okay, so this is a 10-week online class. Now, we do the sessions live. All the sessions are archived and recorded so you can go back and watch it anytime. Okay. You can go back and watch it as much as you want to. And even after the 10 week online course is over with you still, these are actual slides from the class, by the way, after the 10 week online class is over with, you can, um, still have access to the full class. You can watch it as much as you want to. Right? And, so, and we deal with the Moors, uh, the Africans known as the Moors that going into, the Iberian Peninsula, day known as Spain and Portugal in seven eleven a d and they fight against the Vandals and the Visigoths and I say I wish we had never taught them, okay because everything we taught taught the Moors, taught um the Europeans came back to kick us in the behind George G. M James talks about the Moors and stolen legacy. He said the Moors were the custodians of the ancient Egyptian mystery system. The Moors have taking the teachings from the Nile Valley region of Africa into Europe. And this is going to bring Europe out of the dark ages. And we, I mean, like when you look at Columbus, Columbus is using nautical instruments based upon technology that the Moors introduced into Europe. All that stuff came back on us. The Moors introduced something called called a fire stick. Dr. Jose Pimenta Bay talks about this. They introduced something called a fire stick, which is a long stick that fired fire one projectile. The, the Europeans are going to take this and create the first, really the first firearm in Europe in uh, mid-14th century A.D. Right around 1346 A.D. So when they're when they're going into these lands and conquering people, they're taking firearms, the cannon the bible alcohol disease all types of things all this stuff comes back to, all that all all of this comes back to kickers in the behind um okay so then we look at we go through and look at a timeline of history so we can put all this history in chronological order all right, we deal with uh, General Tariq, Tariq ibn Ziyad, seven eleven A.D., who goes into the Iberian Peninsula and the Moors fight against the Vandals and the Visigoths, and where they land uh, is is it's uh, called uh, Tariq's Mountain or Jebel Tariq, also known as Gibraltar or the Rock of Gibraltar, named after Tariq ibn Ziyad. We talk about St. Maurice, the, 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 uh, the more, uh, the black, Moor St. Maurice who became a patron saint to Germany. So we have to, especially during African-American history month, black history month, we have to deal with this type of history. Okay. Yes. We, yes, we talk about, yes, we have to talk about the history of slavery, but put it into historical perspective. Okay. This is, uh, you have to deal with the history before 1441, before the transatlantic slave trade begins. You have to deal with the history before 1526 and the Spanish are taking Africans into the territory we call South Carolina and Georgia. You have to deal with the history before 1619 in in uh, Virginia and, and the 20 and odd Africans are uh, on the white lion pirate ship in exchange for food and water and supplies. You, you We can't start our history conquered by Europeans shackled in chains. Okay. Our history doesn't begin there. And if you think that your history starts in in slavery, you'll mistakenly think anything you do after slavery is somehow uh, progress. These are the national flags of uh, Corsica and Sardinia. Okay. The um, uh, French island uh, of Corsica and the uh, Italian island of Sardinia. They have the moors heads on them because the moors are in those areas and it took a monumental effort to conquer the moors so they're, they're they have the moors the african moors heads on their national flags today when you research this they still have them on their national flags today okay and then we deal with things like um Uh, Christopher we, we have to deal with Columbus and one of the books we look at is uh, Christopher Columbus and the African Holocaust slavery and the rise of European capitalism we look at Columbus and what was Columbus searching for what was his deal with King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella but when we, you know Columbus never comes to the land that we call the United States of America the closest he comes here is Cuba which is 90 miles away he never comes to the land that we call the united states of america where does he go his first voyage in 1492 he goes into the bahamas what he calls san salvador which means saint savior he goes into cuba he goes to, to Hispaniola, uh la Espa- uh, uh um la es- uh espanola or uh hispaniola And on the Western portion of the Island of Hispaniola, the Western third of the Island of Hispaniola is Santo Domingo or St. Dominique or what becomes Haiti or Haiti. Okay, Haiti coming from uh, the name from the Taino, Haiti. And then we know that the, um, we know France is going to take over uh, Haiti. Okay, take over, and call, they, they'll, take, they'll take over that Western Third, call it Saint Dominique. And then, you know, you have the Haitian Revolution 1791 to 1804, and the Haitians are going to call it uh, Haiti. Those Africans are going to call it Haiti. But because of the Haitian Revolution, and because um, partly because France is spending so much money about to go bankrupt um fighting the Haitians they sell the land that they have here the Louisiana territory eight hundred twenty eight thousand square miles of land for less than three cents an acre the us buys that for about fifteen million dollars and what this does is this doubles the territory of the us at the time and increases. The need for more African slave labor here in the U.S. in the in the because the U.S. carves out about 15 states out of the territory that they buy from France. Now, we know France stole it from Native Americans and African people who were already here. France had France had no uh like legal claim to it. But because of the. Uh, increase of land that the U.S. gets, this increases the need for African slave labor in those territories that they decide to have slavery. So we get to see how all these different historical events are connected. And Cuba, Haiti, Jamaica, these Caribbean islands that were conquered by Columbus over 500 years ago have never recovered from what happened to them. They've never recovered from what Spain did to them. They never recovered from what Spain did to them. Or Great Britain. We know that uh, uh, Great Britain takes over Jamaica and colonizes Jamaica. Okay. Jamaica, they Jamaicans, never recovered from that. This is why many of these Caribbean nations are seeking reparations from these European nations, rightfully so. All right. So this is just a brief brief before we, were over 200 slides in the class. Okay. If you like this type of information, uh, go ahead and register for our online class. We have the link in the thread of this broadcast here and, um, this helps support the African History Network. This helps us stay on the air, keep broadcasting, pay the bills, and, and I the class is on two different digital platforms. I have to pay each month for the platforms, so this helps do. This helps support all of this. The class is on sale only eighty dollars. Regularly one hundred thirty dollars. It's a ten week online class. It takes a lot to it takes a lot to teach the class. Uh, I teach that class on Saturday. On Sundays, I teach from. Um, Ancient uh, from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. And that's uh, both classes are 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. each day, one on Saturday, one on Sunday. If you miss class, that's fine. All the sessions are archived and recorded. You can go back and watch it anytime. Not a problem. If you've taken any of my online classes in the past, um, email me at ahnshow@africanhistorynetwork.com. You get a 50 percent discount. Okay. Now, as soon as you register this content, you can start watching. You can watch last week's class and this bonus content. There are also going to be 15 bonus lectures that you get from me when you register from uh, for understanding the Transatlantic slave Trade. It's the uh, Michael M. Hotep uh, 15 lecture bundle pack, the Black History Month bundle pack you get the lectures in digital download format okay so they'll be there cuz i'm uploading those this weekend so you get 15 extra lectures so it's a huge value that you get now you can register for both classes we have a uh, bundle pack where you can register for both classes for only $120 the classes are regularly $230 each we have a bundle pack you can register for both classes for um $120 okay and if you've taken any of my online classes before, and I've been teaching these classes since uh, 2017, Un- Un- Understand the Transatlantic Slave Trade, I've been teaching that on and off since 2017. And from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement, the Black Power, I've been teaching that since uh, 2021 because there's so much information I had for um, Understand the Transatlantic Slave Trade there's so much information i could not get all of it into 10, 11 or 12 weeks. So f- from the civil war to the civil rights movement and black power i had to split that up. Now see this is the, this is the binder that i use for the second the second class where we deal with history from uh we start with the louisiana purchase in 1803. Okay, but this is this is the binder everything from the Louisiana Purchase to the Missouri Compromise of 1820, to the Kansas-Nebraska Act 1854, Mexican-American War 1846, 1848, Treaty of guadalupe Hidalgo 1848, we did all that in the second class. So, so we can go through and analyze history in, uh, see, Dr. Leonard Jeffries is one of my teachers. So when he teaches history, he teaches history in 50-year increments, okay? So this is where I learned this from. So. We go through in each class with, uh, from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement, 1865 to 1968. We go through and look at history in 10, 15, 20 year increments. There's a timeline of history that we look at, but then we go through and break this down to understand what led to the Civil War taking place. We look at the Compromise of 1877. We look at, like last week, the, the class we just did this past week, we looked at the, the, uh, the American Nativist Party that was created around 1854 called the Know Nothings. And this is, this is, they were created right before the Republican Party was created in 1854 because the Republican Party was created as a backlash to the Kansas-Nebraska Act of 1854, which um, allowed um, uh, the, it, it, the territory out West, it left up to the people moving to that territory to determine whether or not they were going to have slavery which infuriated a lot of abolitionists, okay? This allows slavery to spread. And you're going to have armed conflict in uh, the Kansas territory called Bleeding Kansas from 1855 to 1859. You have armed conflict between pro-slavery and anti-slavery groups in the Kansas territory. It's called Bleeding Kansas, right? These are events that lead up to the civil war exploding, the civil war didn't just happen out of anywhere. They were trying to keep a civil war from happening. Going back when you look at things like the Missouri, the the Missouri Missouri Compromise of 1820, which dealt with organizing the land that the US got from the Louisiana purchase of 1803 and the Missouri Compromise of 1820, uh, it allowed Missouri to come into the union as a slave holding state and allowed Maine to come in as a free state because they kept a balance between slaveholding states and free states so in, uh, in 1820 there was 11 slaveholding states and uh, 11 free states so they kept a balance but the Missouri, the Missouri Compromise passes Congress okay this is this becomes law passes Congress and it states that slavery is prohibited in the remaining territories okay this is organizing that land that the US got from the Louisiana Purchase. Well, in the Dred Scott decision, March 6th, 1857, US Supreme rule, the U.S. Supreme Court rules that the Missouri Compromise of 1820 is unconstitutional, which nullifies Dred Scott's argument because Wisconsin was one of the territories that Dred Scott was taken into. Wisconsin was free territory because of the Missouri Compromise. The U.S. Supreme Court ruled that the Missouri Compromise is unconstitutional. Now, the Kansas-Nebraska Act of 1854 is going to replace the Missouri Compromise, but here you have the judicial branch of the federal government interpreting law from the legislative branch of the federal government, and they nullify Dred Scott's argument. A lot of people say, oh, they said, you know, no black man has a right, another white man has to uh, uh, honor, and uh, black people can never be citizens, things like this. They don't, they don't read the rest of the ruling. They, they rule that the Missouri Compromise is unconstitutional. So that's 1857. Now, that's after the Fugitive Slave Act of 1850 became law, which is part of the which is part of the compromise of 1850, which dealt with five bills to organize the land that the U.S. got from Mexico after the Mexican-American War ended. So we go through history and look and see what leads to the Civil War taking place. 1861, 1865, on Fort Sumter, April 12, 1861. After Lincoln becomes wins the presidential election November 6, 1860. He's the Republican candidate for president. Repub- the Republican Party is only six years old at this time. Republicans, P- Republican Party wasn't founded until 1854. They're only six years old. Six weeks after Lincoln wins the presidency, becomes president-elect, South Carolina becomes the first state to secede from the Union December 20, 1860. In this this is gonna to lead to the civil war exploding. Then we deal with, with the reconstruction era, 1865, 1877, which is not taught a lot in schools. And teachers don't really know about the history of reconstruction, okay? Teachers really don't know about the history of reconstruction. Um, So I'm gonna show you this and then we gotta get out of here because I have a lot of work to do. And I have to teach two classes this weekend and do a presentation. And I have to do Roland Martin unfiltered on Friday. And I have to, I do my radio show Sunday night, uh, 9 p.m. 11 p.m. Eastern standard time, the African history network show. So we're on Monday through Friday, 11 p.m. to midnight, but Sundays we're on 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Okay. So let me close this here. Time magazine has this piece. I talked, I did a presentation for a uh, tech town here in Detroit. Um, was that, Tuesday, Wednesday? I did it Tuesday. Tuesday for Black History Month. I did a presentation for them. I was on a panel discussion dealing with reparations for Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated on Wednesday. Today was my slow day, by, by the way. <laughs> <Today> was my, <laughs> The way this week is going, Thursday was my slow day. Uh, this article right here. From Time Magazine. We talked about it before here on the show. This is crucial. The new report finds that 45 states are failing to teach students about the period that shaped race relations after the Civil War. This is dealing with Reconstruction. This article is from January 2022. Okay, from January 2022.